And so before we begin to study and submerge into the depths of our inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so we know that everything that needs to be fulfilled for Christ needs to also be fulfilled for us because Christ is the body of the church. We shall continue our study collaborating with the truth and the Holy Spirit what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. They put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We know to fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on will determine whether you transform into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever, which will then result in our name being forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. We stop to study the condition that we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And stop to study the condition consisting in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El El Yon or God Most High and this condition consists that in the circumstances of our hardship in life when we are putting off the old man we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts stating the eight names of God and stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus what God has has done for us in Christ Jesus and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, to be saved from his enemies and for God, discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in these eight names in battle against the enemies of David for the body of David. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my shield, in whom I will trust. 
my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Here are the eight names. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. The format of our lot and the power of the promise contained in the name of the of the Most High as rock. This is what we've been studying, and the identification of rock as it relates to the natural quality of God Most High, and those also children of God that are born from Him is illustrated in the following way. Heart is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested or tried, rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, continual, fearless, unquenchable, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And here is the quality of a rock pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms as stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. And we note that this means a specific weight by which you can determine the price and worth of the weight individual or item. And so, weights of the Most High are commandments and statutes of the Most High. And scale, a scale or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God Rock is the absolute power and ability of the Most High, identified as His wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all the made by Him creation, so that each one weighed upon the plates of these scales receive His reward according to His results. Therefore, we have been studying the third unique question what price we need to pay in order to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of a rock of God so that God can receive the proper basis to keep us in his perfect peace. As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26.3. And so the price of the seventh condition to have the right or possess the right the, uh, to the quality of a rock of God. We've studied already six of those conditions and are now studying then the seventh condition and it consists in possessing the means and the ability to fight the battles of God. First Samuel 25:28. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. In other words, in order for God to build an enduring house, you need to fight the battles of the Lord. Fighting the battles of the Lord against the uncircumcised nations that live upon the territory of the Israelite land, we can provide God the proper basis to build not just our spirit, but also our body into an, into an enduring house. Battles that we are called to fight so that we can build our house in the form of our body into an enduring house is pulling down within our body all the strongholds that are built up in our mind or our thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself 
against the knowledge of God. Here's what Apostle Paul writes about this, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If our motives in our service to God pursue all kinds of goals of personal good work that within our mind is built into a stronghold of evangelism accompanied by rebuking of demons and all kinds of supernatural miracles and signs, then we need to know that these kinds of acts have no connection to the knowledge of God or connection to fighting the battles of the Lord, which we are called by the way of fruits of righteousness to destroy within our body, body the stronghold of death. Evangelism that we attempt to do will never destroy within our body this stronghold of death. The means and the armor that we need to order, that we need in order to fight the battles of the Lord, in order to build your body into an enduring house, we are able to find in only one way, and this is by the knowledge of God upon the paths of the Lord. Returning to the symbol in the red text where fighting the battles of the Lord is called to provide God proper grounds to build our body into an enduring house, we need to clarify that these given words were addressed to David by Abigail, the wise wife of Nabal. Nabal was born and lived in Maon. This is a city that is within the territory of the tribe of Judah, who was a very rich and influential person. However, the possession of Nabal, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, were in Carmel. This is where Abigail was from. This city was also within the territory of the tribe of Judah. Typically, events that happened in the past are called stories. Considering, however, that the Bible's events of the past continue into the present, during specific situations, these events will be enlivened and take place within the body of each individual person that is born from God. In this event, we see an illustration of the relationship of David and Nabal and his wife Abigail. This was the time when anointed by God King Israel, King of Israel Saul, sitting upon the royal throne of Israel, was pursuing David, another anointed by God King, over that very same Israel. The Israelite land is a symbol of our body to whom belongs the promise of adoption by the redemption of Christ, by the means of driving out and uprooting from within our body the old person with his deeds, who is supported by organized powers of darkness. David is a symbol of the sacred person within our body possessing the mind of Christ. His name means beloved by God, about whom God has said, I have found a man after my own heart. Saul and his servants is a symbol of the intelligent aspect of the soul within our body that is not yet lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name Saul means lent for God's service. So pretty much lent for a specific time, temporarily. Here we see that David as a warrior in prayer is always an anointed man of the Lord, at the same time a man that is anointed by the Lord 
in this situation, Saul is not always a warrior in prayer. Nabal within our body is a symbol of reigning sin within our body in the form of the old person. His name means foolish and without God. Abigail is a symbol of the intelligent and willed aspect of our soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, by the servants of David protecting the flocks that belong really to Abigail. Abigail, hearing about the victories of David against the Philistines and about the fact that Samuel anointed him to be king over Israel, made the decision to lose herself in the death of the Lord Jesus so she can belong to him in his resurrection, that is to David. The name Abigail means the joy of the Father. And now let us return specifically to our text where we see conditions that we are called to build, that are called to build not just our spirit into a stronghold of the Lord, but also our body into which, in which our spirit lives. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. 1 Samuel 25, 28. The battles of the Lord which we are called to fight within our body and for our body in order to enthrone within our body the throne of David are directed toward giving God proper grounds to build our body into an enduring house. We will keep in mind that without or without or not involving or engaging our soul and our body in the process of fighting the battles of the Lord, which we are called to collaborate with our spirit so that they are as one team or one command, we will not be able to provide God proper grounds to build our body into an enduring house. According to the written text, we conclude that David at that moment, in time, although he possessed a strong spirit, he did not yet possess a strong or enduring house in which his strong spirit can dwell. This will happen later when the king of Tyre sent his servants so that they can build him a cedar house. And that's when David understood that God had established him as king. He made him established. But until this time, the spirit of David was strong. He fought the battles for his body so that in his house, he can his house can be enduring. Once more, we will iterate the promise of this truth in the heart. The scriptures simultaneously identify an enduring house as the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ in order to erect within our body the stronghold of eternal life in the form of reigning righteousness. Considering this, we need to remember that because God redeemed our three essences, identified as our spirit, our soul, and our body, the throne of David is called to take its position in each of of the three aspects of our three essences. The throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our spirit is called to be our conscience that is cleansed from dead works with the imprinted upon its tablets elementary truth, the teaching of Christ called as the stronghold of righteousness. The throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our soul is called to be the intelligent aspect of our soul, placed in voluntary dependence of the intelligent aspect of our spirit, already a renewed mind. The throne of David in the form of the stronghold of life within our body is called to be our pure language, our pure mouth, confessing the faith of God existing within our heart in the status of the elementary truth, the teaching of Christ called 
as the stronghold of righteousness. He also put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel and administered judgment and justice to all his people. 1 Corinthians 18 1314. According to the statement, we conclude that the purpose of the throne of David was truly called to administer judgment and justice in Israel. And for this purpose, it was necessary for the Edomites, representing our soul, to become servants of our new person, that is, servants of David. Edomites are descendants of Esau, the older brother of Jacob, who were enemies of Israel until David humbled them. However, in this event that we are studying, David did not yet take the throne over all of Israel and was hiding from Saul, who was pursuing him in the safe places of Ben-Gadi. This is a mountainous place near the Dead Sea, symbolizing safety from the intelligent aspect of the soul in the form of Saul and in the death of the Lord Jesus. Nevertheless, we will begin our study from the time when Prophet Samuel died in Israel and all of the Israelites gathered together in order to mourn him. Prophet Samuel was a father for Saul as well as for David. It is by him God anointed both Saul and David. Then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him at the home of Ramah and David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. 1 Samuel 25.1 That is the Ben-Gadi is that, look, that is where it was located and he went down to the wilderness of Paran. When David buried Samuel in, R in Ramah, he arose from the wilderness of Paran within the cliff of Engadi. The wilderness Paran was next to the Israelite city Maon, in which Nabal lived with his wife Abigail. The word Paran means a place of many caves. Each time before a ruling prophet who fulfilled the role of a great judge died, God commanded him that he anoint a prophet in his place that will become the receiver of his calling after his death. As it was in the situation of Moses when he was going to die, he God gave him the command to anoint Joshua when Elijah was leaving this earth. God commanded him to anoint Elisha in his place. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a, testa a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Hebrews 9, 16, 17. Until the sons of Israel rejected God as uh, in the form of Samuel, in the situation of Samuel, Samuel was the great judge. He was the head of Israel at the time when Samuel because of the requests of the sons of Israel anointed King Saul Saul became this receiver and he received the role of a great judge but he would he did not receive the calling of a prophet because he was not a warrior in prayer the true receiver Samuel and as his calling as a prophet he anointed then David to take that place. And when Samuel died, our new person in the form of David received this legitimate power to receive the inheritance of Samuel. And so this wilderness of Paran from which 
into which David went, and there he heard that Nabal was shearing his, his sheep. This is where David began his uh, activity as in the role of Samuel, or the anointing of Samuel so that God could build him an enduring house. This was the greatest uh, battle. The wilderness and the shearing of the sheep is a symbol of sanctification, which provided God proper grounds to lead or uh, fight in the battles of the Lord so that God can build him an enduring house. Anything that is being cut, uh, hair, hair or whatever from an animal, uh, from a person, is a symbol of purification. And so when God called people to to uh, sanctification, purification, he commanded them to uh, remove the hair from their body and wash themselves with water. All these things are representing the flesh, which is why they needed to be removed. And so when David, after the death, of, of Samuel, he had sent his uh, men to Nabal. He had said the word, may uh, your men find favor in your sight. And your son David, may you have fa uh, favor upon him. And Nabal responded and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? Are there many that run from and flee from their masters? And he wants to take my bread and my water and the meat that I have. And should I give it to them, to uh, the, those people I don't know? Shall I then take the bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men that I do not know? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. Then David said to his men, Every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with supplies. 1 Samuel 25, 8 through 13. And so as soon as servants appear and that is the servants of David and ask Nabal to bless uh, to bless uh, him, our old person becomes angry and does not want to bless because that would mean that he would need to acknowledge David as authority. And because Nabal had rejected him, he then gave pretty much them the legitimate right to destroy his household. And as you know the story that Abigail then learned of this, that what had happened, that uh, Nabal uh, treated them very poorly and the servants told her she then did the right things. Nabal, Abigail, David, these are all within us in one person and all of this happens. 
Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skin of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seas of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, see, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David said to her, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my lord regard the scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is so, is he, Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my lord, as the lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself <coughs> with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your, of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout all your days. <coughs> Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. <coughs> but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel that this will be <coughs> no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord either that you have shed blood without cause or that the Lord has avenged himself but then the Lord has dealt well with my Lord then, the, then remember your maid servant then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me, and blessed is your advice, and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you unless you had hurried and come to me to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. <coughs> So David received from her hand what she had brought, brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. The 200 loaves of bread is a symbol where Abigail presented confirmation of salvation that she already had 
the salvation she already had, where she considered herself dead to Nabal and living for David, proclaiming the not-existent within her body stronghold of life as existent. Symbolically, the format of the offering to David of 200 loaves is acknowledging uh, David's authority over herself, that for Abigail was a wonderful covering that saved her from his wrath. The saints for which such a covering is a burden will be destroyed from the midst of God's nation. Now in all Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. From the sole of his feet to the crown of his head there was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. When he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels according to the king's standard. 2 Samuel 14, 25-26 In order to confirm the acknowledgement of the power of the new person over the voluntary over the uh, intelligent aspect of our soul let's look at another example in the Bible 200 uh, breads uh, that were also brought to David when David was a little past the top of the mountain there was Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddle donkeys he was the son of his friend, Jonathan, the son of Saul. And on them, 200 loaves of bread. So the servant, again, comes with a couple of donkeys, and a, and they have 200 loaves of bread, the 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. And the king said to Ziba, What do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, right on. The bread and summer fruits for the young men to eat and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, that in the symbol of the intelligent aspect of the soul, voluntary acknowledge the power of the intelligent aspect of the new person over itself in the form of David. Two skins of wine that Abigail brought is a symbol of being filled with the Holy Spirit and holiness and joy of the truth that demonstrates itself in the leadership of the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of the truth that is imprinted upon the on the heart. In Scripture, the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit uh, revealing this truth are never uh, presented separately. They are the two great witnesses of all the earth standing before God. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, God's will, the Samen, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, the Urim, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God, Ephesians 5, 17 through 21. According to this place of scripture, in our drinking wine or other alcoholic beverages in any amount pretty much does not allow us to be uh, sober in mind, in our spirit, and we then are deprived of the ability to call upon the Lord or fulfill or know the will of God. If people drink alcohol and say, uh, 
uh, and, and say that they, they're fine. Even uh, leaders of so-called Christian uh, people, many uh, obvious ones, drink. And we need to understand that this kind of uh, act uh, disconnects us from understanding the mind of Christ. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. And so drunkards are in this list. Drunkards are people that drink wine. That doesn't mean you need to become completely drunk to be a drunkard. In this world, people think consider a drunkard as someone who drinks uh, too much alcohol. The scriptures mean a drunkard is one that drinks wine in any amount. When it says, do not, that means don't be satisfied by it, do not drink it in any amount. Because as soon as you do, you will not be then satisfied with the Holy Spirit. You will disconnect yourself from the Holy Spirit. Five sheep already dressed is a symbol of the five senses that are disciplined by the bits of our gentle mouth and obedient to the intelligent aspect of our soul that is placed in dependence of the mind of Christ within our spirit. We know that sheep are our thoughts, but sheep can be different. There are sheep that are not dedicated to God, not holy, but there are those that are holy and prepared for an offering. <clears throat> I will entrust I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and brittle. Also, they will not come near you. A person that is not able to fight the battles of the Lord in order to discipline his feelings by the rod of his gentle, humbled mouth is never going to be able to give God proper basis he needs to build his body into an enduring house. A person who allows himself to drink alcoholic beverages will never be able to build his house into an enduring house, his body into, enduring, into an enduring house. Five seas of roasted grain that were brought by Abigail to David is a symbol of building yourself into an altar of the Lord, identifying the legitimate status of prayer, giving the right to eat of the fruits of the land of Canaan. He made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits its width. It was square. And its height was three cubits. He made its horns on its four corners. The horns were of one piece with it and he overlaid it with bronze. Exodus 38.1.2 Another place also. In order to explain the five seas of roasted grain brought by Abigail that this is the legitimate status of prayer. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands, for Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, just as the altar. This is something he would pray upon. It was absolutely in accordance to the altar, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high. Three Three cubits high are, are three essences, spirit, soul, and body. And he had set it in the midst of the court, and he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven. Second Chronicles 6, 12, 13. 
to understand what these five seeds of grain are. Joshua 5:10 through 12. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate at the ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. They began to eat of this parched grain. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And so we see that these grains they ate because they had performed a Passover feast and these grain gave them the ability to enter the Canaanite land. In order to enter the Canaanite land, then you need to build yourself into this kind of altar five cubits wide, five cubits long, and three cubits height. 100 clusters of, of raisins is a symbol of the fruits of righteousness, demonstrating itself in the measure of fullness of growth in Christ, which is in accordance to the perfection that is like God's perfection. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who, her who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Matthew 13, 23. Two, a hundred is a number of perfection, 100. When a person brings a hundredfold, that is the number of perfection. And so when it's talking about uh, 100 clusters of, rain, of raisins is the fruit of perfection that Abigail presented. This is a soul that had died in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and reobtained it within the resurrection of Christ. And she stopped being the wife of Nabal. She rejected Nabal so she could be then the wife of David and David takes her as wife. After God destroyed Nabal ten days later because he because of the law he was under the law the old person relied upon what he relies upon the law and then then the new person together with the renewed soul kills Nabal by the law dies for the law the symbol of 200 cake, uh, cakes of figs that were brought by Abigail to David is the triumphant testimony of the grace of God that is enthroned within the body of man by the means of the fruits of righteousness. 1 Kings 10, 16, 17, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of forest of Lebanon and so 200 uh, large shields hammered are shields of faith they were in the forest of Lebanon the house of righteousness and when and these again were not uh, molded they were hammered and so when the faith of God we with the faith of God will hammer then the shield of faith is something we become ourselves this is not just a shield of faith separately and me separately a person becomes a righteous shield of faith he 
becomes this because he is redeemed. This is redemption and Golda's authority is a reign is ruling, is the power power and rule. And upon him you can see the marks of, of these battles that he um, experienced. I'll bring another place of scripture of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. First Chronicles 12.32 Imagine these 200 people were so wise that David with all of his household and all of Israel followed the words of these people. And for this, they truly needed something unique. They did not just have a simple wisdom of man. They were anointed by the Holy Spirit and were wise. They knew what to do and when Israel needed to do it and all followed their word. And they came to David and were uh, subject to him. They were obedient to him. This faith that has knowledge. Remember, we always say faith is from what? Faith is from hearing. It's not emotions, it's not feeling, it's information that is from hearing the Word of God. And we see this information in these 200 men that this is the faith of God. This is what these, again, these 200 cakes of figs uh, represented. This is the enthroning of grace by the way of righteousness in the body. Fourth question, by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the quality of a rock? as the name of God Most High, as it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What do we need to understand or how do we understand perfect peace by which we can identify that our spirit is has this quality of a rock as the name of God Most High, which is a guarantee of having this perfect peace. The results of perfect peace is our ability to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 4. A prayer that is not confirmed with trust upon God can direct our eyes to whatever but not God. Because as it is, our eyes are looking at the foundation of the authority that we can trust upon. Our trust in God allows God to fulfill our request so that He not reject our soul and would keep us from the lawless ones. Often the discipline or the truth of trust and oftentimes trust is confused with hope. At the same time, trust is the house from which hope is grown. Hope is the treasury of God within our heart, which contains all of the oath promises of God that are the unsearchable inheritance of Christ. This is not a cemetery of promises, but rather a treasury of living promises within the heart. And when the fullness of time comes, that is, uh, 
commanded or planned by God, then our faith takes this promise from the treasury of hope that is within our heart, just as gentleness brings forth humility and trust uh, bears hope upon God. We can only trust upon what we believe and what we hope upon because to trust upon something means to rely upon something, to lean against something, to look upon something, to build upon something. And this something needs to be a specific foundation that consists of specific elements. That includes not just hope, but faith that draws from hope. To trust upon God is to rely upon God and His Word, to lean upon the Word of God, to thank God for His Word, to look upon the Word of God, to demonstrate faith and hope upon God, to build your building upon God's foundation. Make it this Word his, your support and the source of your strength. Hope is waiting in patience for something that God has promised. And so when faith needs to do something from something that God has promised, then it takes it from what is being waited for, from the treasury of hope. As it is written, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. And so when in our heart we have a foundation of hope that consists of the oath promises of God, that upon which you can build the building of your salvation, that is when we'll have the opportunity to trust in something. And so again, hope is building yourself into an enduring house. And so hope grows from God himself. His word is our hope. And so hope upon the word of God happens from God. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalm 62, 7. Hope upon God comes and is based upon the resurrection of Christ and his glory which God has given him. Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, who through him, through Jesus believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. First Peter 1.21 And so what is hope based upon? It is based upon the resurrection of Christ and his glory, which God had given him. Third, hope upon God is grown from hope upon the word of God that contain all of God's promises. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Looking at this place of scripture, we see that a person can be blessed from the Lord when, he, when his hope upon God is based upon his trust is based upon his hope. Hope upon God also is grown from the judgments of God. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Psalm 119, 43. 
Fifth, hoping upon God is comes from information that is in the unapproachable light uh, of Scripture, where we can only access what we can only access by being instructed in the faith. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. Psalm 135. From this place of scripture we see, or in this place of scripture, what we hope upon, or what we trust upon is our... What we trust upon is our hope. My eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destute. Psalm 141.8 We see here that what we look upon and that what we focus upon is our trust, our reliance. Reliance or trust upon the Lord comes from the fear of the Lord which is a lot of the chosen by God remnant. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Psalm 56.3 If there's no fear of the Lord, a person will not be able to trust upon the Lord. When I am afraid, then I trust in you. We see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of God's wisdom or the revelation of God that comes from God. This kind of fear bears trust upon God. This fear is information that we receive who God is to us, what He's done for us, and who we are to Him. This is God's promise, and this fear identifies the trust that we have in our heart. We know that trusting upon God and trusting upon your abilities is not possible at the same time. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me, Psalm 44, 6. And so what role or purpose do the scriptures give trust? The purpose of trust in God is called to give a person the right to call God his Lord. But as for you, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God, Psalm 31, 14. So, if a person does not have trust upon God's word, then he's not able to turn to God as to his Lord. He, to have the right to say, you are my Lord, often a person does not have trust and he says, you're my Lord. He says, you're my Lord, but he doesn't trust in God. It's uh, unstable, and God then sees these words, and this is then as witchcraft in his eyes. A person calls God his God when he has no trust. He has no right to call then God his God or his Lord. For as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. The purpose of trust in God gives a person the right to draw near to God so that he can declare all his works. Psalm 73, 28, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Psalm 73, 28. It is necessary to know a lot what uh, of what you need to do to draw near to God. We will study that because to draw near to God, it's necessary to inherit God's lot in the name 
stronghold. Because if, if we are not familiar with it, we will not be able to draw near to him. According to these words of scripture, those who trust in the Lord are able to draw near to him, and only those who trust in the Lord are able to declare his good works. And when people sing psalms, and when they testify to others, but do not have trust themselves, that would be able to be based upon hope. These are all idle words that a person will then need to answer for. And for those words, for those psalms, for those songs, for those sermons, for those <coughs> that kind of uh, evangelism, a person ca uh, will perish <coughs> because they allowed themselves, not having trust upon God, to try, try to draw near to God, to bow their knees before Him. First, you need to understand who God is for you who he is to you. As soon as you understand who he is to you, what he's done for you, and who you are for him, then you will have this trust. There, the purpose of trust in God will give guarantee that God will hear us when we will pray. <coughs> we will know that God has heard us. For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear, O Lord my God. Psalm 38, 15. You won't need to uh, be, uh, say, uh, in questioning this all the time. You know the Lord has heard you. He knows what you need because you've uh, stated your need to Him. And now thank Him because He has heard you and He has began to fulfill your need. But when He fulfills it is something that depends from Him and not from you. You need to, with patience, wait for God's promises. If you won't have patience, you won't even inherit salvation. You need to trust that God has heard your prayer and has began to act. He's, he's it's activated Him and he's, he's beginning to do the work because all of the promises that we ask from God, anything we have need of, it's already placed upon our account in Jesus Christ. So we need to say, Lord, I thank you that what I will ask you for now, it is already placed upon my account in Jesus Christ. I thank you for that. And that's it. And wait for it. Fourth, the purpose of trust in God is called to bring forth joy and gladness to be able to give uh, God the ability to defend us. Psalm 5.11, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. According to this place of scripture, in, so God defends only those who trust in Him. And such trust brings forth shouting of joy and gladness. You firmly understand and know that you have upon your account this amount of money. You know this for sure. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. They say, prove it. You don't need to prove any of it. I absolutely have no need to prove to anyone that God is with me because this has to do with me and not those people who are trying to have you prove it to them. Where 
you remember that there's uh, certain subjects who were telling uh, the most beautiful of women to look at them so that they can see, so they wanted uh, proof. When I didn't understand this truth and I always tried to prove uh, something, I was lost in my heart and I always thought in my heart, why? Everything was good with God, everything was good in general, and yet suddenly I ruined something and I come to God and I cry and I say, Lord, what have I done? They want uh, proof, and I, was, and I try to show this proof. They also wanted proof from Christ, prove that you are the Son of God, they said. Prove that you are the Son of God. And he said, and they tell him, uh, perform a sign so we can see. And he said, an evil and adulterous generation, a sign will not be given, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. As he was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. This will be the sign. But they did not want this sign. They wanted a different sign. Because the sign of death did not... Uh, satisfy them. It's important that we understand those things and never prove to anyone anything. This is for you. Communication uh, with God is for you so that you be confident that the Lord has heard your prayer, that He is a def your defender. You be re joyful and glad. They say, why are you happy? Look what's happening in your life. But you remember, Prophet Habakkuk said, even if the fig tree will not blossom, even if the uh, vine will not uh, bring forth grapes, even then will I rejoice in my God and be glad in the Lord who is my salvation. He, he will bring me up to his heights, is what he was saying in his words. And when they'll be upon those heights, then the people will understand. But it'll be too late for those people to uh, do something at that time when they see they'll see you then on that height at one, when the time comes and God will literally here on earth perform a work the stronghold of life within our body when our bodies will literally become immortal and incorrupt and we before rapture will become carriers of this heavenly body we already are carriers of these heavenly bodies by faith we even now pro uh, proclaim we state that we are dead to sin living for God proclaiming the not existent as existent God loves this and the angels rejoice. God is almighty and he looks at the future. He sees you already. You don't see it, but by faith you do see what God has done for you. That's right. It's not necessary to prove anything. They won't believe in what you say. They'll, they'll say it's foolishness. No one will believe today in those unique promises that bring forth joy to, and hope and trust while while you're in sorrow <laughs> the purpose of trust in god is called to be uh honoring of God and protection from his wrath. Psalm 2.12 Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him.
And so the absence of trust in God is an absence of respect to God, which <coughs> then means that saints who refuse to trust upon God are vessels of wrath. At, at the same time, saints who trust upon God are vessels of blessing. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And so his wrath will be kindled soon. Upon whom? Upon those who said, you are my God, but they had no trust in him. They could not honor God with their trust. They said, Lord, I trust, I honor you, I glorify you, I love you, and so forth. I always wanted to do something good for the Lord, the best that I could. I always wanted that the singers be the very best until finally the tr uh, I received understanding that our voices don't worry him as much. It's our heart that worries him more. When we sing, and all of heaven also is worried. You need that power. Power. It's not that perfect tone or or how you uh, maybe fit into notes as well or, or understand them. But if you have trust in God, then this will be surprising. God will. Uh, from these songs, you will be very much pleased and and edified by them. People who meet with us, uh, say sometimes from other uh, services, Baptists and and other Pentecostal churches, they say interesting. We sing the same songs you do, but when you sing them, we begin to cry. We can't l just listen to them. But in our services, we sit quietly, and it's just cold. Why is that? We don't have maybe the most talented voices, say, as would be considered. They may be simpler on some level, but they're dedicated. A brother recently told me, I'm surprised. Why on Tuesday many people don't come? There's such anointing, such words, such songs, and people aren't here. And then he said, I'm also surprised these people sing Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. The very same people sing. And I think maybe they'll sing, sing, and then they'll, they'll uh, disband, but they don't because they're dedicated. They have dedicated themselves to this great service. And only people who trust in God are able to dedicate themselves. This is honoring God. This is honoring the Son. Purpose, the purpose of trust in God is called to free us from fear of our own flesh and all other flesh. In God, I will praise His word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Psalm 56, 4. 
pay attention to this wonderful revelation. Those who trust in God will not fear what is of the flesh because they trust in God. They are placed into His entrails and they, I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. First, our own flesh is what threatens us. Form flesh can threaten us in what way? Maybe take something from me, hit me, uh, offend me, just visit physical things. But your own flesh can take eternal life from you. It threatens uh, you with your destructive desires, your lusts, ambitions, and so forth, with, uh, with offenses, jealousy, hatred. This, these, this is th the threat of our personal flesh. But David says, I will not be afraid of this flesh because in God, Lord, I don't pay attention to my feelings, to my desires because I have died for these desires and don't pay attention, ignore these desires and as soon as you confess ignoring these desires that you have died for those desires and proclaim the not existent as existent only then the Holy Spirit receives the opportunity to take your words and with your words to protect you from these destructive uh, ambitions and lusts of your personal flesh all of our personal flesh. Seventh, the purpose of trust in God is called to be an absolute uh, freedom from all men or not fearing of all men. Psalm 56, 11, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? This is a different kind of trust where no person can do evil against you. What can they do to me if I trust in my God? They can't do anything. They can do something. They can uh, do something bad. Uh, say they can affect you in some kind of way as a loss if only if you don't trust in God. But if you trust in God, we're talking about the stronghold of life. If it's in you, no man will do evil against you because if they try, they will need to be killed. You won't be able to be killed. You won't be able to be... Uh, your blood can't be shed not with a knife, not with anything. Your body will not be able to be penetrated uh, uh, by any uh, armor or, or any kind of, uh, or a bullet or a knife or anything else that may exist here on earth. Fear before men means that you don't have trust in God. We trust on something or someone that we are afraid of, that we boast about, and before whom we walk, or more accurately, the opinion of who we depend on. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. First Corinthians 4.3. To Paul, it was, he didn't care either way what people thought of him, his opinions. Uh, it was important what God thought of him, that, what, how God judged and how God 
saw him. And so I always, when I do something, I say, Lord, if you don't like this, I won't do this. Because there are many things that may not be a sin, but the Holy Spirit will keep you from those things, from those actions. If you will trust in God, He will open to you what you should do and when to, when to do it. He will open up the door. He will uh, open to businessmen, those who trust uh, uh, who trust in God, where to invest and how to invest. You won't need to continually study the market of what's going on, where stocks and so forth. You'll need you'll do it uh, by intuition. And when they ask you who is your advisor, as they asked one gentleman who his advisor was, he said Jesus Christ. He said, "Well, we also are Christian. We know who Jesus is." But I met with this person. He was was already of of age, and. You may remember, some people may remember him. Uh, he was of, of old age and he, he was one of the greatest businessmen. For uh, He was very good with flocks. He was very good uh, with, uh, he produced much milk and other cheeses and products. Uh, he had a lot of product and for this you needed uh, a very good uh, bull and sometimes very good bulls cost millions so that they have good offspring good uh, and this was usually uh, they paid great prices and he had some purchased uh, some purchased two a uh, couple of million dollars and he would buy a, a bull for a, a little uh, or a young bull he would uh, buy uh, it for eighty dollars and his bull would grow into a much better bull than everyone else's and he, they would ask him how is it that you do this and he says I walk by and the bull that smiles at me and they say how is it that he smiles at you uh, it appeared to him that the Holy Spirit he, he intuit, by intuition was able to understand which one to purchase he didn't need to spend money for on advisors and look at the uh, pretty much the line of these bulls when God blesses a person, this bull will be this way, one of the best ones. And God wanted to show uh, the blessings of a person who does trust in God versus one who doesn't. And he did show it in this man. Unfortunately, his son did not follow in his footsteps, and it's very unfortunate. He just became... Uh, started to use the glory of his father and his money and it was very unfortunate eighth the purpose of trust in God is is called to open up the potential of God and his faithfulness how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men Psalm 31 19 how many how many how the many blessings you have for those that you keep 
you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. So trust in God opens up God's potential. It activates God's faithfulness. God receives a great desire to fulfill it. You remember how God had a great desire to take Elijah and God wanted to. The word that he desired, that he had a very strong desire, the kind that he couldn't take anymore. He he had because Elijah had such a trust in God and he and God took him. This trust upon God it needs to bring forth the stronghold of life and destroy the stronghold of death and prepare you for rapture and when he sees in the specific category of people this trust he will not be able to withhold it any longer he'll tell the son I give you permission to resurrect the dead and rapture the living and at this time these people will already have the guarantee why? because they trust in God and God gave them a guarantee because this guarantee will be given only to those who trust in God people who do not trust in God will not be able to receive that guarantee Ninth, the purpose of trust in God is called to turn God's favor upon those who trust in Him. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him and those who hope in His mercy. Psalm 147.11 It's very important to understand <coughs> how God... Uh, what do people trust upon in general and hope upon? They trust. They should trust upon His mercy. They know they didn't deserve this, and that everything they can receive from God, they can receive it according to His mercy. Not looking at the fact that they've done much, but they do not claim this as anything for themselves. As you remember in Revelations, the 24 elders and the four living beings, the, uh, creatures, they uh, said they were people that were chosen of all nations, languages, people, tribes, that he, he made them kings and priests to God. They say they're chosen from all of the nations and peoples, and they're presented in the four living creatures and 24 elders. This is symbolic, of course. This is a lot of people that state who they are. What do they do at the throne? They take off their crowns before God and say before Christ, worthy is the Lamb to receive honor and glory because you were slain for us and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we will reign on earth. That's talking about the millennial reign. Not looking at the fact that we do good, if God will not do something, nothing will work out. But if we will do, we will fulfill God's instructions correctly, God will immediately begin to help you. And you will know if God would not have helped, what we uh, have done would not have worked out. And it worked out because God was activated. God did something. We need to trust upon God's mercy, that God shows mercy to those who fear Him and those who trust Him.
Tenth, the purpose of trust in God is called to be a shield to those who trust in Him. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him, Proverbs 35. It's talking about the shield of faith. So trust is a shield of faith. Trust it turns into faith, into the shield of faith. When a person trusts in God, he goes confidently. He can die. He, his faith is not that he will save someone from someone, some, him from something or someone, but that he has trust that he is God is with him. And if he needs to die in the situation, then he will glorify God in that. With life, then in life. When the three young men stood before the king, and he said, bow before me and he said no we will not bow before your idol <clears throat> even if you throw us into the fiery furnace we know God our God can save us but even if this does not happen if you won't save us from the fiery furnace we still will not worship your idol trust in God it <clears throat> It is uh, beyond, uh, uh, say, this physical life or death here. It is, is greater than that. God's mercy is better than life. And as we know the essence and purpose of the trust of the Lord, we'll look at the conditions allowing us to obtain trust. The price to obtain trust in the Lord is the necessity uh, to be obedient to a teacher who is placed by God so we may be a student of Christ and pay the price for our learning. Proverbs 22.19 so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. A person can't have trust upon God if he does not have a teacher that would be able to be a father to him. Between a teacher and a student, there was a very close relationship that the student called the teacher in Israel because teachers mainly were prophets anointed by God. They called them fathers and the prophets called their students sons. And the most interesting thing is when the prophet would die, he would leave his inheritance, what he had, not to the sons that he bore in the flesh, but the student that followed him and helped him. He's the one that inherited all. He, remember as Elisha, he received everything that Elijah had. This was the law, the ancient law. And so when Elijah walked by and threw his cast his mantle upon Elisha, this in the ancient times was a sign. This is what a person would do with a servant. If he would cast his mantle upon a person, he in this way said, You are you belong to me now, you're my servant. And Elisha, seeing Elijah, who had cast it, he said, you are now my servant. He immediately ran after Elijah, took the oxen that he was working on the fields with, he boiled the meat, uh, and 
and gave it to the people to eat it and stopped tilling the fields and uh, went on with Elijah and we see in the after Elijah that he inher- he received then the spirit of Elijah second the price for re- obtaining trust in God is the necessity to be nourished by the breasts of your mother. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. Psalm 22, 9. But you say it's talking here about a physical mother with a child. No, it's not. When If David talked about a physical mother, he was saying, in sin my mother bore me. That's when he was talking about the physical mother. At the breasts of that mother, he could not receive trust. He received the the mother's breast is Zion, where he received trust. This is the church, or that church which is ours. The church says, do not leave your, the scriptures say, don't leave your church. There are many churches, but you say, well, I'll go there, I'll go here. Tell me, are there a lot of mothers? No, there's one mother. Are there many wives? No, there's one wife. The church needs to be as a mother and a wife, because at the breasts of this mother, are we able to receive trust in God? God loves who more? the gates of Zion. You can't enter into salvation but only by the gates. The gates are Christ and those people that represent his delegation in the church. And so it's very important he met Zion, the great Jerusalem. And so being nourished by the breasts of the mother is, again, being an organic member of a church where the Lord has put you or placed you. Considering that our time is up, we will now bend our knees, however, who's comfortable, and pray, and we will thank him for the word that we were able to hear today. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this great privilege to be with your nation upon this place that your hand has appointed to worship you, your surprising and holy name. The greatest is that it's not this place that is your holiness but the nation because of whom you have made this place a holiness your people have become your holiness and your belonging and because of them you have made this place your holy place because upon any place where your nation that is your holiness begins to gather is a place that is yours and we thank you that upon this place we can receive your revelations the revelations of life the revelations of the future we thank you that upon this place you have resurrected 
resurrected those promises that had died within our heart in their time. But you not only resurrected them, but also planted new ones. We thank you for this surprising Eden that you have planted together with us. You told us by your servants, and we received and confessed this word, and it was planted in the Eden of our heart. Thank you for this wonderful Eden, for the multitude of your promises that you fulfill for us at the time that you determine, you determine the time when a promise needs to be revealed to us, a promise needs to be accomplished for us. We thank you that we live in this surprising time that many kings and righteous men wanted to live in. May your mercy be for your people and the stronghold of life that we already carry within our bodies, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. May we become strong and immovable and may your favor be upon us. May in our bodies all illnesses, weaknesses and fears be destroyed and be departed from the bodies of your people. May the mind of your people be free from all fear. May your children trust upon you and look upon those promises that you have already placed upon their accounts. Not what doctors say, not what their flesh will tell them, but who they are for you and what you've done for them. May your mercy be a blessing in this place, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. <clears throat> your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Please be seated. I have a couple of announcements. First, I would like to call out our guests from Germany, if you can please come out, so that the church will see you. You can come boldly. I ask you to welcome them, these young men. Uh, you are here for about three weeks. They'll be here. So some are already familiar with these brothers. Others are not. Uh, especially young men, please, young men and women, please uh, give them some attention. I also would like to call out all those who will be baptized. We're going to have the service of baptism tomorrow, where our uh, saints will be making a covenant with the Lord. I will ask all those who will be baptized, so that the church may. Uh, see you today you will receive the final instruction uh, uh, before you're baptized.
so that the church may see you, who you are, and who is making a covenant <coughs> with the Lord tomorrow, I'm making a covenant with this church also that will be your mother. These are our saints. I'll ask everyone to stand up and we'll pray for them so that they can receive this tomorrow that nothing will stand in the way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these holy people that have prepared their heart to and have made a decision to make a covenant with you. May they be blessed before your face. We bless them for this great work and may they be a blessing to you and may we worship together. Amen. And so in the smaller hall, uh, Brother Daniel will meet with you today and give you the final uh, instruction. Tomorrow the service will be the baptism service will happen at 11.30, and anyone who would like to attend, it will be at this address uh, if they'd like to participate. You may take your seats, and we together will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>